What's up everyone and welcome to episode 81 of the Justin Insight Podcast, a show where I, Tim Birkbeck, talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and see what makes them tick. I uh, hope everyone is well and is starting to wrap up warm for the autumnal weather that seems to be joining us now. Um, so two things I quickly want to touch upon straight off the bat before we get into the normal stuff of the show. Uh, first and foremostly, Justin Insight now has an Instagram account. Uh, you can go follow it by searching just underscore and underscore insight. Um, we'll be obviously posting all the stuff for the episodes, but just various stuff as well. What we're doing, uh, like recently, just been posting sort of flyers for gigs that I've been going to, little videos of the, while we're at the gigs, and just other sort of little fun tidbits, I guess, that might be happening, interesting that people find. But yeah, if you you'd be so inclined to go follow that, that would be ace. Uh, second thing that will be going alongside each episode now uh, is I'm going to be putting together a little Spotify playlist um, to kind of coincide with what, what the guests I'm speaking with. Uh, so it'll be obviously stuff from their bands, the bands that they've been influenced by, and as well as some tracks of what I've been listening to the past week. So we'll obviously be posting those playlists on all the various different social media platforms. So again, if you want to keep your eyes up for that, maybe discover some new music have a look at that and then you can follow it is my personal spotify but you know, who cares go follow me might you might think my music taste is rad or i don't know or you might think what the fuck is this guy up to but yeah so those are the two bits i want to want to just quickly go off straight off the top um in terms of my week gone by I managed to go to three geek three geeks three gigs sorry uh starting with the dirty nil in southampton which is rad i'm not a massive dirty nil fan but uh, my good friends in Weatherstate, who've been guests on this show, uh, were opening, uh, and the Winter Passing were the other support band. I'm a massive Winter Passing fan, so it's cool to to see them. Um, and the Day Nil, they were really good live, which, like, as I say, I'm not the biggest fan, but they were really enjoyable. Um, There's one moment that did get my back up a little bit, though. So, uh, for those who don't know, I've started kind of delving into photography, or so in the last year, trying to sort of just photograph as many gigs as I can just to kind of get a bit of practice in and and the this night was seemed to go really well I was really happy with all the the photos I was taking and then during the dating ill set their TM comes up to me and just goes no flash no explanation no nothing I was like oh okay and it just like got it, got, it annoyed me a little bit because I, I thought well if you kind of give me an explanation or weren't as rude about it I would have been fine but like it did put a dampener on things for a little bit so I was like well who's this prick to tell me not to use a flash but yeah anyway that's my little bugbear but yeah that was that then uh, on Saturday travelled up to Nottingham uh, for another former guest on this show uh, it was Let It Die's final uh, final ever show as a band which was emotional but just so much fun as well um, it was in tiny little space it was probably about 80 people max and it, yeah it got a bit wild for, for Let It Die and as I say, got got quite emotional at the end as well. But yeah, that was a, a really cool, fun show. And then finally on Sunday, uh, I went and saw Death Heaven in Bristol. Um, I, I, it was kind of on a whim because I, I knew I was doing these other two gigs. I thought oh, I'll round off the wig. The wig? Why can't I talk? Sorry, week. Um, yeah, with Death Heaven, because I've seen them countless times. Uh, and I'm a fan of the new album, unlike a lot of people for some reason. Don't know why. Um, but I just I forgot how much of an incredible live band they were. Like they're just so incredibly tight, and it seems like with the new material, like they've kind of 
let loose a little bit which is which is quite cool um and yeah so that that was a a really fun way to to end my week uh so yeah that's that was kind of it in terms of gig wise but one thing that i also i just wanted to to touch upon i think might be something that we talk about on a wider sorry i'm just cleaning my glasses um a wider debate i guess but something that came up with a in a conversation with my best friend over the weekend um was kind of like mosh etiquette i guess and kind of violence at at shows um like the kind of like aggressive nature that can sometimes come with specifically sort of hardcore shows um basically like we were talking about and sort of like don't get me wrong i'd love a good mosh like back in when i was sort of a teenager and everything i used to get hell for leather found it as a great outlet to sort of get some aggression out um but during this conversation that, that i had with her it kind of made me think like is my moshing or or moshing in general to having a detrimental effect on someone else's enjoyment of the show um and if so like that's not a cool thing and more i guess like there just needs to be more dialogue like to like it shouldn't be the norm that people should have to sort of stand at the edge of the pit and sort of protect their face their legs whatever from from being hit that shouldn't be the norm it shouldn't be expected um and like as i say i'm don't get me wrong i know like moshing is fun and it is part of of the hardcore culture but yeah it's just food for thought i'd love to hear what what everyone's kind of thoughts on this are like whether they think or if you're in that vicinity you know the dangers of it or if we should be talking about more about sort of creating safer spaces at, at shows um if you've got a view on this drop us a message as i say i think this is something that we will look to talk about in a bit more detail with some people involved at some point but just food for thought dropping a nugget out there see what you guys think let me know um yeah we'll get into some news i'm, I'm going for quite a long intro this time around so i do apologize you've got that little skip button if you're bored of hearing my voice but we're going to get into some quick news and the first bit straight off the bat as soon as i uploaded last week's episode little nugget dropped uh, which i'm really excited about and uk screamo should be really excited about uh charlotte light and dark the record is nearly here finally uh the band put up a little teaser video saying that details of a release are on the way uh darren the vocalist is a very very dear friend of mine so i'm excited for that one to come out so darren if you're listening hurry the fuck up and get that one out um so yeah that's that uh kind of in a similar vein i guess uh portrayal of guilt have released another track from their upcoming record uh let uh, let pain be your guide uh the song is called your war and features uh full of hell vocalist dylan walker it's fucking vicious um and i cannot wait to hear the rest of this record um holy royal records have got themselves an absolute gem with this band i discovered them about a year or so ago absolutely fell in love with the eps that they did and then i was lucky enough to see them at mr stars and they just fucking blew me away so this record i'm so excited for and it's a record i haven't I haven't been excited about a record for, like this in ages, so yeah, ho- really hope it doesn't disappoint. Um, <laughs> on a very different note, Corn, yes, that's right, Corn, the the new bell band, 
they've released their own coffee brands um, and they're going to be selling their fair trade blend online and you can go buy some coffee spelt with a K so yeah that's that's something in the world that's happened um, and finally something that was announced well happened today so Monday when this is being recorded uh, me without you have put their new record uh, which is called Untitled fully up a stream on Bandcamp so you can go listen to it and enjoy the beautiful music of me without you so that's that's something of that you can do on a Tuesday. Um, right, let's get into this week's guest. I've been babbling on too long. And this week I am joined by the vocalist of feminist punk band Petrol Girls, uh, Ren Aldridge. Uh, I caught up with Ren at the band's EP release show in Bristol uh, about three weeks ago now, I think. Um, we talked about her putting on little gigs in village halls when she sort of started out getting into punk, um, going on to play acoustic music and then just having that want to sort of shout and vocalise uh, what her views on the world were um, how she wasn't taken seriously in a, in a scene when she kind of started breaking out for being a female in, in the punk scene um, and just how now kind of now being in a position where she is a, a, a focal point of a band that she kind of thrives in antagonistic circumstances I guess is the best way to describe it um, just a, a small little caveat uh, Ren had a cold when we were chatting so there are some some little bits of sneezing throughout um, but yeah that's it this is a cracking episode I really enjoyed the chat with with Ren so please sit back enjoy I'll see you on the other side Right, joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is uh, Petrol Ghost vocalist uh, Ren Aldridge. Ren, uh, in the well start of uh, the tour for the new EP, you, is there any way that you're kind of looking forward to hitting? Obviously, I know today is kind of the official sort of release of it, but are there any cities that you're looking? Because it's quite a long stint you're on, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Bristol and London are the only UK shows that yeah. we're doing, um, and it is always nice to bob back over and like see old mates, but um, I'm looking forward to Hamburg, because I used to live there for a bit. Um, we're going to Stockholm and Gothenburg, which would be cool. Oh, that's cool. Um, Have you guys been there before? We've been to Stockholm, yeah. but we've not been to Gothenburg. I think we're getting a train from... Yeah, we're doing that bit on a train, so I don't know, that's, that's exciting. <laughs> How's that going to work? Because um, we're going to leave the van in Hamburg and then fly to Spain, do some shows in Spain, fly to Sweden, then get the train to Gothenburg. How, what are you doing with the gear? Like, you uh, taking it all with you? We'll, just, we'll take guitars and then we'll just use venue backlines. Oh, OK, that's pretty cool. It shows how little I've gone around kicking in Europe. Is Zoc, he's like a logistics pro. Right, okay. Like, it's really actually quite incredible. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's mad. Well, as I said, the show's called Justin Insights, so it's kind of a look back at sort of what got you into alternative music. So what was your kind of first sort of exposure to, to alternative music? Um, I think it was probably just through, like, my mates at school, really. I think I heard, like... Green Day and stuff like that. Green Day was the second gig I ever went to okay. at Milton the Keynes. First? The first was actually Run Rig, which oh, okay. were like a Scottish folk rock band nice. that my parents are really, really into, and it was a sitting down gig. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like obviously being about 
12 or whatever at the time I hated it because yeah, yeah. it wasn't Destiny's Child <laughs> um, but I actually listened to Rum Rig an embarrassing amount because it makes me really nostalgic That's cool. so yeah so sorry I interrupted <laughs> so, so introduced through sort of like Green Day and stuff like that so when did you kind of go from there to sort of start exploring looking for your own sort of taste in music like what where did that kind of roll from yeah like I think I got yeah got into bands like like Green Day but I was also really into metal and when I was about 14 I played in a metal band uh, with just a bunch of mates from school and, and that was like my first go at shouting and right, stuff okay. like that um, but then when that band broke up I kind of like didn't think that I could do that again um, for some reason I don't really know how this works um, I thought all I could be was like a backing vocalist in a ska band because that's like all I could see um, but I like I used to go to the Croft when I was a teenager right. when I was probably not old enough um, I think that seems to be a general sort of thing that from people I speak to in Bristol yeah they're, they're, they kind of went there when they maybe weren't supposed to and started <laughs> discovering all these different kind of bands and stuff exactly but i saw like the skins and i think i even put on dirty revolution there um random hand um jb conspiracy all of that kind of lot um saw down at the croft so that was always like a big influence for me and like i was the last one of my mates to learn to drive and, right like, okay i was going to the croft from when i was like 15 or something um always trying to blag a lift and stuff <laughs> like that like yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned obviously starting off the first kind of band you were in was sort of like a little metal band in, in school. So were you just doing vocals in that or because I know you play a bit of guitar as well. So we was that just sort of straight off doing vocals or were you doing bits and other pieces as well? Um, I actually started on bass because oh, okay. but the reason I was asked to join the band was because my friend Ro um, like knew that I was getting acoustic guitar lessons right, and was okay. like, well, bass isn't that different. <laughs> but like, in all fairness, we only had about two or three band practices with me on bass and like they like gave up on the idea of me playing bass. I maintain that if I'd been given more time, I could have played bass. <laughs> but then they were like, they decided that like my mate who was playing guitar was not the best person to do vocals so they were like auditioning for right. a vocalist um and like they were it was cool actually because like it was their best mate that was the other person that wanted to be a vocalist right and they chose me over him which oh, was pretty cool. cool um so yeah it was a cool band though like i actually think that we were all right <laughs> i think we were all right yeah we're on there's a song of ours recorded somewhere on like the groove project cd um, from like about God, twelve years ago or something <laughs> mad. So, yeah. did you always kind of want to to be a vocalist, or was it just in that circumstance? It, it's what happened, and obviously years on now that you've kind of gone back into that role, or have you always kind of envisioned yourself in that sort of role? Um, I don't know. I don't remember. Like, I don't remember thinking when I grow up I want to front a punk yeah, band. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I ever thought it was a realistic option for me um, and I think I imagine like a lot of like women or like non-binary people probably feel quite similarly mm. um, or might have had a similar experience um, like I don't like you know I had a big poster of Angela Gosso on my bedroom wall but <laughs> nice. I didn't I couldn't see I did, still couldn't necessarily see myself as her mm. um, 
But I think once I moved to London when I was about 19 and like started going to loads of shows in London and like running a lot of gigs and I did loads of, um, I used to tour as a backing vocalist for an acoustic guy and I used to tour acoustic and stuff like that and I just got so fed up with playing acoustic that I really, really wanted to shout. Yeah. Um, so it sort of just came from that really. So you, in terms of, <laughs> bless you, in terms of, because you say like, you were putting on show. Were you putting on shows in Bristol before you moved to London? I put on a couple, yeah. Like I think um, I put on Resolution Two Four Two and I put on Dirty Revolution. Um, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Seriously, it's like day four of tour and I'm already really ill. <laughs> oh god! Oh, I'm really ill and like running late on a deadline. It's all madness. Oh no! Period started as well. It's all go- <laughs> it's all going on. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I ran a couple of shows. Um, and even before that, like, w- so me and Joe, the guitarist, we're from Wooten Under Edge, right. like just outside Bristol. And we used to put on gigs with like the local bands just in the village hall. Like oh, you'd, wow, okay. you'd find out like, oh, whose parents are going to be cool because <laughs> you have to get someone's parents to get the keys yeah, for you yeah. and all of this kind of stuff. And then like you just have like like four dads standing outside like <laughs> pretending not to see the like big bottles of strongbow going in um so we used to do that and i used to like i ran a few gigs in the village hall i think um which were actually pretty good gigs like there were some all right bands like around at the time at our school um there's like um jake and the jellyfish formed at our school as well and they're like a cracking band um, and a band called Schemata that Joe was in that have now become, what's their name now? Escher. Um, I recognise that name. Yeah, yeah, they're like really techie. Yeah. Um, like Rob and Rory, the guitarist and the drummer, um, were in my year at school and they're absolutely incredible musicians. Um, and yeah, Joe used to sing in a band for them. And Gecko, like there's lo- loads of bands yeah, from yeah. our school. It's really funny. Um, but yeah, we used to do that. So you... Obviously, putting on those sort of like village hall shows, it obviously sounds very sort of DIY. So, is, have you always been kind of drawn to that sort of mentality of sort of? Because obviously, you're in a, a DIY punk band now, but uh, like I guess some people kind of come to it later. But it sounds like you were kind of drawn to to that get up and go attitude from a, from quite a young age. Yeah, I don't really know why though, because I don't. <laughs> Like, I didn't find out about stuff like Riot Girl or anything like that until I was about 21. Right, okay. Um, so it's, it wasn't from that. I think it was because the guys in the year above me at school knew about bands like Anti-Flag and stuff like that. Right. And I think they were influenced by that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So that's where their band grew from. And, like, our band was kind of influenced by that, but probably more into System of a Down. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think it was them that started running those sort of gigs and then we kind of followed suit yeah but yeah, so it was definitely influenced by yeah. punk culture for sure and in terms of kind of doing the sort of acoustics stuff were you doing what do you need joe <laughs> no um sorry yeah so were you doing sort of other bands before or did you go straight into kind of doing the backing vocal for the the one guy and doing your own acoustic stuff um so I had my first band was Ivy when I was about 14 to about 16. Then I kind of joined in occasionally with Joe's band at school, Scrumptious Biscuit on backing vocals. That was an awesome name. But I was really (laughs) crap. But they were great. Scrumptious Biscuit were a fucking brilliant ska band. Um, 
and then I briefly joined Resolution 242 up in Birmingham, but they are assholes <laughs> because I, like, they they just, like, they kicked me out of the band, but, like, never gave a reason. Oh, shit. Um, and I just think that that's, like, pathetic. Yeah, no, that's um, not cool at all. And now instead of having, like, um, like a female singer or anything like that, they've just got a rapper. Um, and I think they've changed their name. I can't remember what it's to. But that, anyway, that's quite funny. Um, but that, but at that age, that really crushed my confidence. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think I played any music for a while. And then I decided. Then I decided to like right. play acoustically. Um, and I was crap like most acoustic artists. Um, and had a great time and like played some wicked tours and met people like um, Ducking Punches, Mike Scott, who I went on to do backing vocals for. Um, a friend Shankland up in Nottingham, like loads of wicked people, mm. um, and that whole acoustic scene I think was really kicking off at the time. Yeah, like yeah. loads of guys in bands were then moving on to do yeah, acoustic, yeah. whereas I was just no one would be in a band with me, <laughs> so I just decided to play acoustic until I met people that would be. Well, so obviously when it came round to obviously doing Petrol Girls, obviously I think the story of of how you guys kind of formed is widely publicised, but, mm-hmm. but so. I don't know, was it a case of, for you, circumstance that things, like, you were sort of dying because you said you really wanted to shout, so was Mm. it just sort of finding that outlet, like, you do anything to kind of make it, or was it just sort of the stars kind of aligned kind of thing? I think I was on a mission, to be honest. I think I was really frustrated because I moved into a house in London with loads of musicians, Mm. um, like, guys, and none of them took my desire to start a band seriously. And I was kind of a bit, like... I was a lot younger than them and kind of intimidated by them because, like, loads of them had, like, been in, like, bands that I thought were really cool and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, we should start... We should make a band, we should make a band. Like, no one really took me seriously. Um, And then... Yeah, me and my friend May had a few jams and like um, Leopa was just up for it. Like she'd never played bass before. Um, And we just sort of gave it a crack and really enjoyed it and just used to band practice in the bathroom because it was massive. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I think I was on a mission and I was was like really involved with feminist stuff, particularly Mm. when I was at uni. I was like women's officer on the students' union and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I was raging about so many things and really involved with anti-cut stuff and like um, against the rising fees and like all of that kind of stuff, like super active. Yeah. Um, and I think I had a lot that I felt I wanted to shout about. And also like, cause I'd been touring for ages, mostly with men, mm. like, I was patronised a lot and, like, not taken seriously. Like, I was touring with men. Like, most of my housemates were older men. And I think, like, I still have a massive chip on my shoulder about (laughs) being, like, just relentlessly patronised and not taken seriously. And it's really funny that as soon as you've got a microphone and, like, shout, then people listen to you and it's like, well... The arguments I'm making haven't changed. I've just got a fucking yeah. microphone. <laughs> but whatever. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. So in terms... Because obviously you mentioned obviously there like you got really involved in sort of um, sort of women's rights and things like that when you were at uni. But when did you sort of, I guess, from a musical standpoint, sort of see that you could use music to get a political message across? Probably really early on, like when I was watching like um, 
like bands at the Croft when mm. I was a teenager, and like I was m- I was huge into Anti Flag and stuff right. like that, and Green Day and all of that. And I think that those bands are what politicized me, and like what what gave me the perspectives that I sort of developed when I was at school, I guess. Um, so I think from a really I think from a really early point I realized that it could politicize people hmm. in terms of whether or not music can actually like affect political change I think it was probably when I sort of learned a bit about Riot Girl and started like running International Women's Day house shows and like doing a lot of feminist stuff that I realized in terms of like more like the identity politics within like within a community, like the actual act of playing music or like the actual act of being women on a stage yeah. actually has political consequence. I think that was when I kind of realised that. Um, and now I kind of, um, like I went back to uni for another year to do a master's in like art stuff because I kind of feel like a lot of things like the gender binary and like the idea of the nation state and things like that are maintained through culture. Right. So I'm interested in challenging them on a cultural level. And I'm not saying that that's the only point at which they'll be brought down, but I think it's the thing that I understand and where I'm like good at stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's where I'm, yeah, motivated to do stuff. And, and yeah. And I also think like DIY punk culture teaches you to be, um, like it, yeah, it teaches you that you can create your own culture, yeah, and yeah. I think that that process of empowerment then um, translates on to understanding that you can create your own communities, and if you can create your own communities, then we could create our own political systems and stuff like that. So I think the like DIY ethos that's at the heart of punk has like massive political potential, yeah. um, and I think it's a scene that we need to sort of keep, like keep alive, but also like broaden and make more inclusive and I think that's why there's so many really great initiatives like first timers and stuff like that that are going on that are like aiming to reach out to more people Um, and I mean on the mainland as well and up in Scotland actually there's a place called Glasgow Autonomous Space and it's used both as like a punk venue and like for stuff like Arabic exchange classes with asylum seekers and refugees and things like that so I think yeah, I, I actually think that like spaces are really, really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the mainland are way better at this, oh, I guess, that's because what, that's what I was yeah, say. like their laws are a little bit different. I think regarding that kind of stuff. But I mean, we've got like Glasgow Autonomous Space, um, the One in Twelve Club, DIY Space, Wolf Chambers. Like, there's some really cool spaces. Yeah, yeah. In the UK, but I think what they're doing on the mainland is they're much better at like, um, linking up with kind of. Um, like other forms of activism Mm. and like migrant solidarity stuff and things like that so I think that like a really good step we could take with those with like punk spaces is to like open them up for use by different communities um, and activist spaces and stuff like that Um, because like you can just create some wicked stuff and it's really (laughs) exciting and I don't want this to kind of sound like a bad thing because it's not I don't mean it in that sense at all but obviously Within the punk community, as you mentioned before, there is a lot of people that have the, a similar mindset. Mm-hmm. So, for you, is there a kind of almost a sense of kind of preaching to the conveyed, or do you still find that there are a lot of people at Petrol Girl shows that may have an open mind but don't necessarily see what's going on? And as you say, like, kind of, there's still loads more that can be done. I think that, like, I get that sometimes, and I think when I'm feeling really cynical, it can feel a bit like that. 
Um, I actually get a massive kick out of playing to really antagonistic crowds, okay. <laughs> to be honest. Like, um, I find it really fun. Like, overt sexism, like right. the time a guy shouted at me to get my knickers off. I oh, was like, wow. but I was like delighted because I was like, <laughs> well, now I've got a microphone and you are about to get torn to pieces. Like, that kind of stuff I find like genuinely quite fun. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it's obviously the more insidious stuff that I find difficult to deal with. I think the stuff we're doing on sexual violence is unfortunately like really necessary and like an ongoing issue. Mm. Um, and I, I think that that just like needs to keep being said. It would be good if like more like men in bands were talking about that. Yeah. Like um, because I oh, I'm just so fucking bored of talking about it. <laughs> Honestly, like it just oh it crushes me. Why? Oh look at all this shiny. Sorry, no, I'm very no, easily no, distracted. Has he got roses? Yeah, he was trying to sell us roses. I kind of want a glow stick for later. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh my god, what was it? Oh yeah, no, so... Um, <sighs> preaching to the converted. Yes, I do think that. But then I also think that the that sexism exists on such a ridiculously insidious mm. level and it's so present in so many places like you know just because i front a feminist band doesn't mean i'm not capable of being sexist yeah like i think that you know there's always room for betterment but then i also think that like the kind of like more uh like some some of the more intense ends of the punk scene run the danger of like becoming like very small and very exclusive yeah. because of like this constant like push like it, i mean it comes from a good place it comes from constantly striving to be better but i think yeah i don't know especially with feminist stuff like i kind of think about feminism a lot in terms of being a big sister and like you know when my sisters came to feminism like through very different routes like there were things about their feminism that i disagreed with and mm. stuff like that but i didn't shoot them down yeah, you know? yeah, yeah i like was like oh that's really cool you're into this but maybe did you think about this and like stuff like that and i think we i think that we could be more nurturing of each other sometimes because i think it can be sometimes it just feels really stressful yeah. like do you know what i mean especially with social media but um yeah i think sometimes yes sometimes no me and Leopold still play shows where we're the only women on the bill. Yeah. Like, that actually happens quite a lot. Oh, we probably are tonight, actually, um, to be honest. It's 2000, I don't really know. Um, I mean, it's only two bands. Yeah. But, um, but like, I mean, we played a festival where we were the only women on the wow, bill. Wow, really? Um, so, that, yeah, I mean, it was only a one-stage festival, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And kind of on the, on the flip side of that, because, obviously, now there's, with... I guess the position that petrol girls are in, like there's a lot of people that know about you more now, I guess, especially off the back of the, the debut full length. But do you kind of feel that because of the position you're in, that you've kind of got that platform to sort of, I, not, I, not necessarily teach, but sort of if there's people that are just coming to your, to, to your gig for the music, that you want to sort of get them to take away something else as well? Yeah, I think I think because of the kind of music that we make, we're to a certain like I think we play a style of music that like 
um, a lot of like bros are like really into. <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't really know how else to explain it, but like, I think musically we attract bros. Okay. And then, like, I hope that like slowly, <laughs> like, <laughs> the like messages of the stuff will like infiltrate. Um, I mean, some of them are pretty clear. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. and just to kind of backtrack a little bit you've said that you kind of thrive in sort of antagonistic crowds and stuff but when you were kind of first starting out was there ever kind of any sort of pushback from from that sort of in terms of kind of i guess like if you were to talk back to someone would there be sort of people that were kind of like oh to to you and like how did you kind of react in that situation i guess because like I don't want to put words in your mouth, but starting out, is it quite a, an awkward sort of position to be in the first time that you were put in that situation? Um, I mean, it still happens. Mm. Like, I mean, men don't... Li- most men don't like being told what to do by a woman. Yeah. Um, like, I think last year I got, like, in loads of shit for asking some men to move to the back at Loud Women Fest. Like, it's called Loud Women <laughs> Fest. And I got in trouble for backing up Dreamnails' request for like girls to the front like it, I just yeah I can't um, <laughs> like um, so it still happens like I was really we were really lucky with Petrogos because I think we started in like a pretty supportive well we'd kind of already created the environment that we started in yeah because it was in the context of like instant, an International Women's Day house show and like a place that I was living where I adamantly refused to have all male lineups play or like if they did I'd get on the fridge and play a shit acoustic set because it was on principle. <laughs> so like I think we 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 started in like a re- a relatively comfortable place and I think it's actually as we've got like a bit bigger and entered into like more of the mainstream that that you encounter like like you know some like we'll play places where like I feel like in the DIY scene, like even like the sound guys are mostly pretty t- switched on and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And then you will play like bigger things and stuff like that. And it will be like more removed from like the DIY scene, which is more politicized. Yeah. And then you'll kind of get more shit. But like, I'm I, just, yeah. I can't I'm remember, it's just remind me, I can't remember who it was I read about it the other day. Oh, it's going to really bug me. But there's a, a band and they're, oh, um, Dead Hands in Birmingham. Have you heard of them? They're kind of like a math core band. Okay. Um, but they they've got a female guitarist. Mm. Um, and she was basically saying if like they don't play like DIY venues, like she essentially has to walk around with her guitar because otherwise people don't think she's part of the band or they think she's the merch girl or something like that. And it's just like it's it's bad that like in 2018 like that thing that still exists no it's totally still a thing i think like we still go into places and i can tell but like if they've not seen us play before like yeah. i'm i'm treated totally differently like and i find that really fascinating yeah like i mean it's shit but it's also fascinating <laughs> like i get all like social sciences about it like <laughs> um, i think it's, it's super, in, super super interesting to see like i find it really interesting to see what happens when we go into a venue when people haven't seen us play before and they don't know who, who like me or Leopa are right. how we're treated before and then how we're treated after, after. Yeah, it's yeah. hilarious it's so funny it's so funny and I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. So, obviously, is it 2016 the record came out? 
probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, that was kind of a lot of people's first exposure to 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 you guys, and obviously, I think it opened doors and things. So, did you kind of see a change in the audience that was coming to you, like from the back of that record? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess so. Like, I think when we started, it was just like we, you know pressure our mates to come watch us <laughs> yeah. so yeah it's funny and now like all our mates in london are too tired to come to gigs anymore because london's ridiculous yeah and now our shows are full of people we don't know which is really really weird um but cool like yeah no i think it's just in terms of uh, yeah i can't really say yeah just people we don't know which nah. is cool and i guess from from an inside perspective because obviously when i heard that record obviously as you say a lot of the messages are very sort of clear within it but was it i don't know because obviously i can't really speak from your perspective but was it a daunting thing to kind of put that out into the world and because obviously you're going to have people that music critics and whatever sort of try and pick apart every sort of mm. aspect of it so was there ever that sort of thing of right i've written this i'm really proud of it but it's now out in the world kind of mm. thing does that make sense um, I don't give a fuck what music critics think. Like, I really couldn't care no, less. That's fair enough. Like, um, I, I find all of that, like, pretty funny. Um, but the things... I mean, I guess they, like, the others would care. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely way more, like, lyric-focused. Yeah, of course. Um, and, like, I think the things that I get scared about is that I've articulated something in a way that people won't understand like that it will be misinterpreted in a right. da in a damaging way yeah or that like you know my p politics are on a topic are going to develop and then i'll be like really mortified by the political basis of whatever song we've put out yeah i yeah. think like those are the things that i get anxious about but like you know there's also some things you can't help like on um like well, i just read a, a totally hilarious review the other day where like like he literally misquoted all of the lyrics that he'd referenced i was like they're written on Bandcamp. <laughs> like come on um like do your job man um but like in strike the last song on the ep there's like this clearly sarcastic section where i go like are you waiting to storm the winter palace bro pictured yourself on the front page it's like that sentence ends with bro it ends <laughs> with the word bro we are a feminist band it ends with the word bro and he quote misquoted that sentence and described it as an anarchistic oh. call to arms and i was just like okay one gcse history mate <laughs> and two like like how did you not pick up on my sarcasm jesus christ <laughs> but like i think and i think a few years ago something like that like a misunderstanding like that would have really upset me yeah but now i just find it funny because uh, what else can you say <laughs> and in terms of kind of the, the band in general so you're all sort of dotted here there everywhere because where are you living now in this van i think for now oh, okay um, <laughs> i mean i moved out of glasgow like two days before tour um because if i remember were you living in mainland for a little bit yeah i've lived all over the place i lived in over the course over the course of petrol girls i have lived in london hamburg back to london for a bit and then i was kind of snail lifing is what i called it like all of the like i mean it's all right because like i can always go home yeah, like and yeah. i think that's really important to acknowledge that like you know my parents will always let me come back it's yeah, just yeah, that yeah. i mentally go to pieces after about a week um especially now the dog's not there anymore oh. 
one baby girl. Um, although they're getting a puppy, so maybe I'll just move home. <laughs> my, <laughs> parents are, my parents are doing the exact same thing at the moment. They, they're redoing the fence. They're getting new sofas because they're mm. like at the top. Like my dad's just retired. Mm. My mum's semi-retired, so they're like, we're getting a dog. Like, yes. A papa. <laughs> like, is my room still free? <laughs> Can I come back? I'll pay rent. Um, but yeah, just like I was, I was just loose like floating around spending quite a lot of time in Graz which is where most of the band is based and then for the last year I've been living in Glasgow doing my masters um which was awesome and I think we'll move back to Glasgow as a band at some point I reckon um Glasgow or back towards Bristol at some point I think are the places in the UK that I've come to but yeah but in terms of kind of because like in terms of kind of writing and stuff (laughs) how does that kind of work in terms of kind of is it sort of just and demos between like a group chat sort of thing and then booking time to record how, how are you working it logistically well we do a lot um i mean a lot happens digitally um but i mean for this record i think um the other three have done a lot of like musical writing together right <laughs> sorry i'm so fucking ill this is ridiculous i like sweating um um, yeah, the other three have done a lot of like musical writing and I have not done anywhere near as much lyric writing as I should have. But like, I think over the course of this year and like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> um, I think over the course of this year and like doing the masters and like reading loads and stuff like that, I've got a lot brewing. Um, yeah. so the way we work is there's two main directions one is that i would get like a lyric idea or like a basic vocal idea and Mm. then joe or leopard would build a riff around that right okay and then the other direction is that joe or leopard or zock will come up with a riff and we'll build the song up from that okay and i think this time a lot of it has started musically and i used to find that really difficult Mm. and now i really love it because you like i'm i'm just not I don't understand. Like, I don't get time signatures. Oh, it's all I'm, a complete mystery. I'm the same. My, my band's like a kind of like mathcore grindy mm. band. And sometimes some of the stuff they come up with sometimes, I'm like, how am I meant to do vocals over this? It just does not make sense. Yeah, no. I, yeah, I do it all on like dance moves. Okay. I'm like, shimmy, 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 shout. Um, <laughs> I think that's like... Maybe a, I should try it's that. a solid technique. Like, yeah, like muscle memory. Um, that's how musicians say they do it. Anyway. Um, but yeah, like, um, I think it's really interesting to like put things over the top of that because... Like it comes out really subconsciously, and like you might just be like chatting shit, and then I like mark down the number of spaces that there needs to be words in. Right. But sometimes I'll find like that what's already coming out has a kind of meaning to it, and I think that way of writing draws out like some really interesting starting points. And those songs tend to be the ones like um, I think Clay on the record started out like that. Um, what other ones started out like that? Maybe Harpy did as well, actually. But it, yeah, it kind of draws out things like you end up drawing together different themes in like quite an abstract way, and then it ends up like telling you that process ends up like being like you develop something yeah. rather than just being like 
I have something to say and I'm going to say it over these chords. Yeah, like, yeah. Which is how the other way works, which is also fine. And sometimes, like, yeah, there's something I want to say and we're going to do it like that. Um, but I think this way is going to be much more the music first direction yeah. but we've got six weeks in the studio to record this album like that oh, is okay. a crazy long time yeah yeah um, and after it's what in, all in one block yeah yeah oh, okay. and I've, I mean we might just kill each other and that'll be the end <laughs> of it but we'll see um, like we're gonna after this tour this tour finishes on the 6th of October I think if I make it um, <laughs> if I'm not just pure phlegm and club martyr um, but um, then we're like I'm gonna hang out in Graz for a few weeks. Um, we'll like get it all together, and then we're coming back over to the UK at the very end of the year to record. Mm. So it'll, it'll be fine. And I just want to quickly touch upon something because you said obviously you played a festival recently where you and Liverpool were the mm. only women, right? But I think there it might just be because I'm kind of in that sort of world. But there does seem to be a lot more sort of women in punk music nowadays Mm -hmm. so do you feel that in your time since petrol girls that there's been more women have sort of said like no i don't want to sort of kind of take the attitude that you you did with the international women's day like this isn't just for men i like i've got something to say as well not necessarily be a feminist band but be a woman in a band that is creating art creating music have you kind of seen an increase in that or is it just because more people are sort of aware of it now and it was always kind of bubbling like from your perspective um i think there's always been women in punk and i think sometimes that gets overlooked Mm. um but i do do think like i've seen more women in bands in the last five years part of that is because we tour in quite a specific circle yeah but like i do think that it is i do think there are more i've i don't have any statistics to back <laughs> to back that claim up. Where's Sorry, your list, I'm, st- I'm right out of writing a fucking master's thesis, so I'm like, I can't say that. I haven't researched it properly. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like there are. Um, but I think it's important to emphasise that like women have always played punk yeah, and have always formed a really p- important part of it from the beginning. Like women like Polystyrene and the Slits um, and all that kind of stuff were crucial and like the whole riot girl thing all of this kind of stuff so i think women have always been doing it um but we've always had to fight to Mm. do it but yeah i think there are more yeah and i think not to compare it to sort of the whole kind of riot girl movement at all because obviously it's something completely different Mm. but especially here in the uk there does seem to be a kind of hive of it at the moment so do you Mm. kind of i know you obviously you you're all dotted around Europe and stuff, mm. but I, people do consider you a UK band, I guess, to some extent. I don't know. It's but, really funny. But, but, like, I don't know. Do you kind of feel that over here, I can't really speak for mainland because I don't know it as well, but in America as well, there is there is a big sort of movement towards sort of women in bands. And it's mm. kind of, I don't, I don't know. A lot of the sort of gigs I've been to recently, the ratio has switched changed a lot so there's now more women in bands than there are men so it's all (laughs) part of the plan but i guess my question is that is that not i know it's a good thing but like is it nice to sort of see that that's the norm like in some places that's the norm now yeah yeah no it's cool i really i remember the first show i ever played it, it was acoustic show where 
like the lineup was all women and it was run by a woman and the sound tech was a woman and like that wasn't a thing yeah and i remember being like oh it doesn't have to always be a thing yeah. like <laughs> like what mind blown um and that was really awesome and i think that all different approaches are important and yeah. all have different limitations um and like different positives so um like having something like we're playing loud women fest tomorrow mm. that's important and that really matters and that makes a difference but also running a show that's just got loads of women on the lineup and it not being a thing that matters as yeah, well yeah. like i think all of these things make a difference um yeah and obviously this tour's kind of off the back of the the new ep so mm -hmm. was there a reason that you wanted to kind of put out a three-track ep rather than do a second album straight away we yeah i mean we just cracked it out really we i i met how did i meet pete i don't even know <laughs> i started making music with pete miles like in another project um and he was super interested in doing some recording with petrol girls right. um uh, actually i'm gonna plug that we've got a thing <laughs> called paste which is on soundcloud and there's one track called we might be up on soundcloud 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 oh my god are you <laughs> back in bristol oh, oh yeah that was more scottish i was saying you know back in bristol soundcloud um but um yeah check that out because that that was that's a really cool project and we will finish that other record at some point but anyway yeah he was really interested in petrol girls um so offered us some like really decent um priced studio time um when we were over after 2000 trees festival so, yeah i learned that it's not a good idea to get shit faced at a festival and then go into a recording <laughs> it's quite challenging um but um yeah we just we bashed those songs out but i'm really pleased with them mm. Um, and then we were looking for a new label, so um, and Hassle were perfect. Yeah. So yeah, we just put it out, and then the reason it's out on a twelve inch is because the songs are too long to sit <laughs> fit on a seven inch. So we've put loads and loads of effort into making the twelve inch like really, really worth it. Yeah, like, yeah. It's etched on one side, and like all of the artwork is hand printed and stuff like that, and it's beautiful. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And. Obviously, the single that was kind of put off its sister, obviously, the lyrics kind of speak for themselves. But was that kind of, was there a, a conscious choice to, out of the three tracks to make that the, the single? Well, we put Survivor out first. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. My, yeah. My apologies. No, 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 no worries. Like, um, I think we, I mean, it could have been either sister or Survivor <laughs> yeah. first, to be honest. We put Survivor out first because it's like, slam straight in yeah yeah makes the point but i think we wanted to put sister out as an individual track as well because it's so different from yeah because well, that's, stuff that's, we've done that's what i was going to say because it is even though lyrically content is kind of i don't want to say what you'd expect from petrol girls but there's but what you'd expect yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in terms of kind of the way it's put together it's not the straight up sort of in your face kind of raw that people would be expecting yeah sort of thing. so i guess that's why i kind of pose that question yeah no well we're trying to really we're always trying to really push it musically i mean especially like the other three they're like all crazy crazy talented musicians and they always want to like really experiment with stuff and like mm. push it really far and like for me i like i really like shouting <laughs> I, I like to have a good shout i'm happy to have a rage but um you know get wrong side of 25 
like it's hard work (laughs) (laughs) no i i like i just i like doing i think when we started Petrogos, I needed to shout really, really yeah, badly. Yeah. And when we recorded that album, even though we'd been going as a band for quite a while then, like I was livid about so many things and it's very shouty record because yeah. I needed to shout. Whereas now I think I don't, like there are still plenty of things that I need to shout about, but I think that I'm learning that you can make a powerful point with a quiet voice mm. as well um and i miss singing like i do like you know i don't i'm never gonna start doing acoustic again but i do i do like to sing yeah so it's just yeah trying new stuff and you've mentioned obviously you got time booked for for the new record so is that kind of wheels in motion yet or is it still not even kind of talked about in terms of what sort of materials gonna come for that we got songs we got we got stuff we got it ready we're not none of them are ready to play live yet Um, but is it is it kind of gonna be along the lines of sort of what was with the first record or is it gonna be a a, as you say a bit more of you kind of taking a different approach to rather than just shouting sort of thing i think it'll be It'll be a real mix of stuff. I think we just want to push things further, but in every different direction. So I think we want it to be heavier, but we also want it to be poppier, but we also (laughs) want it to be like more experimental. Um, So I think we're just going to like really push it with like everything in like every direction and try not to kill each other in six weeks in the studio. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Um, Ren, how I like to end things is to ask my guess what their favourite song is but with a bit of a twist so what is your favourite Petrol song uh, Petrol song Petrol Girls <laughs> song that you'd like to play live and why at the moment I really enjoy playing Survivor because every time we do it I get like um Oh, how do you explain it? Like, just really hot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, that's the one that I really feel the fire on. Yeah, you get, you kind of can feel like the passion's all brewing. Inside yeah, like, yeah. I just feel like a mad thing. Like, just <laughs> lose it. Um, yeah, I really enjoy doing that. I still enjoy doing Touch Me Again. Um, yeah. We've obviously played it a lot, but I, yeah... Yeah, I like doing that one when it's somewhere we haven't been before. Yeah. Um, and it shits people up. I can't remember where I saw it. That's just literally just reminded me. So the end bit of that song, I can't remember where it was, but somebody made a clip of you doing it at various different things. And it was only like a 30 second clip, but it was just like that on repeat. And I thought that was quite interesting. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah. I think it's, it's some, it might be somewhere on YouTube, but yeah. It's just well, that's fun. <laughs> Perfect, Ren. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. So there we have it, folks. A massive thank you to Ren for taking some time to sit down and have a little chat with me. Uh, as I said, it was a corker of, of one. I've re- really enjoyed this this one, as I do all the time. But I, I just really like doing this podcast, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Um if you missed Petrol Girls while they were on this little run of shows that they did, I know they only did two UK ones and then a lot were in sort of mainland Europe. Uh, but fear not, they'll be playing in London with Propagandi on November 14th. Uh, I believe it's at the Electric Ballroom. He's getting his notes up. Yeah, at the Electric Ballroom. Um, so go check that out. Uh, November 14th, if you're so inclined, I'd recommend it. 
Um, as always, you can keep up to date with what Petrol Girls are doing on the various social media platforms, which the links will be available in the description of this episode. Uh, one final thing from me before I do go, um, as part of kind of the, the evolution and changes of this show, um, we have introduced a, a Patreon account. Now, this podcast will always be free, um, but there are costs for doing this every single week. This episode, we, I have been doing this for nearly two years now. Uh, the only time I've missed episodes is if I've been away on holiday or I haven't physically been somewhere with internet. Um, so basically, I'm looking to potentially get sponsors so we, we don't have to do it this way. But for the meantime, I have set up a tip jar system on the Patreon. So if you like the show, if you wish to donate a little bit of spare change to keep the show going to possibly enable me to go further afield to more gigs and actually do things face to face rather than across Skype plus like I have to do some of the stuff with our American guests um, please head over to the Patreon page and do, donate if, if you so wishing I'm not forcing this it's just th these things have to be done unfortunately but yeah again the link will be in the description um, so I will leave it at that um, that is it for another week thank you again everyone for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast and I will see you soon